Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred. Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Hundreds of movies and theaters, hours watching them, dozens talking about them. It has come down to the time, folks. Here on the Middle Seats Podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. A very special episode of the Middle Seats Podcast where me. Mr. Nate Longarini and Mr. Jake Hensler will be talking about our favorite movies of the year 2018 AD. That's all you got? That was my intro? Yeah. We're going to keep it simple. We got a lot of work to do. I'm being nice. (laughs) But guys, of course, we've got a lot of things we're going to be doing today, kind of looking back at the year that was in 2018. We're obviously getting this out late, but it's still important for us to go back and talk about the year that was, because this was a very interesting year in movies, and we have a lot of movies to discuss. So let me just set some parameters first. Here's how this is going to go. We each have a top five. We're going to go down in descending order. So like five, four, three, two, one, we'll go in rotations. We can have repeats. So there can be movies that one of us has at number five that another has at number three. We don't know each other's lists. Like, we might have a vague estimation because we talk about movies all the time, but, you know, we don't exactly know what the other people have. So that makes it kind of fun. We're learning along with you guys. At one point, we're going to do honorable mentions just really quickly before we dive into our favorite films. So, guys, is there anything you want to say about 2018 in general before we jump in? Well, this kind of goes for every year. I'm usually pretty surprised at what ends up being my top five and what is not in there. But this year especially has been a weird year. Like if we're talking Academy Awards and what movies did well and didn't and what we liked and didn't like, definitely a weird year. Like I finally got around to Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like that got nominated for Best Picture. Boy, they should put that on the poster. <laughs> like I thought it was – I probably would be the high man of the three of us. But even I was like, it was fine. It's not a Best Picture nominee. Vice is nominated, which I liked, but not a top 10, not a Best Picture nominee. Black Panther got nominated. Just just a weird year. I'm right there with you, Jake. Part of it, I feel, is on me just because I didn't get to see as much as I would have liked. But a lot of plush recliners ended up in my top five this year, which I feel like doesn't normally happen. I don't know if it was just a mediocre year, but I just didn't feel as blown away by as many movies as I would have liked. But hopefully, as we're talking tonight, I'll be reminded about some movies that I need to see, and maybe I'll find some Royal Thrones in here yet. So obviously, I think I would say, out of the three of us, I've seen the most movies this year. You saw more than Nate and I combined. I, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's a firm yes. Um, I saw roughly 180 films this year, which is, the, even for me, that's gross. Nice flex. <laughs> <laughs> it's not flex, it's context. So Billy Joel has a, a residency at Madison Square Garden. Andrew has that at his local movie theater. Yeah, they like the lady that rips my tickets, like knows me like she can scan my face and know right. who I am. Hey, and she knows what I've seen and haven't seen either, too. It's weird. Oh, you're going to see this again. Yep. Third time. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I would say kind of combining everything you guys have said, the movies this year that were good were like phenomenal. They like gave me gut punches and knockout punches and the thrills that I want. I would say a lot of the big Oscar movies, like Jake was saying, at best, they were like solid singles. They were not home runs. The movies I really loved this year 
the majority of them actually probably came out in the first eight to nine months of the year, which like never happens. Usually I have these movies and they come in and they like occupy the top of the list and they eventually get pushed down by the big Oscar contenders. The Oscar contenders, the ones even I really liked, ended up filling in behind them. So I would say this was a more consistent year, if that makes sense. There was more greatness spread throughout the year than usual. But overall, I wouldn't put it up in the upper echelon of years. Like 2016 was an excellent year. 1999 obviously comes to mind. 1994. 2014. Uh, Whiplash, Gone Girl, Birdman, Boyhood. Mm. Yeah. Deeper year, but not as strong overall, if that makes sense. Anyway, so that wraps it up kind of for as much as we can do about just talking about the year in general. Let's get into specifics. Nate, how about we start with you? What is your number five movie? Alrighty, I'm going to start with an Oscar nominee, and that was Black Klansman. This was done by Spike Lee, and I think I finally found like a perfect mix that fit my style in terms of a Spike Lee movie, because this is definitely one of his more scripted ones. He always has a very particular style, uh, and that can sometimes keep the plot very loose. This one was a little bit more structured, but it still had that edge that Spike Lee is just so good at doing. And combined with some really great character work, really good dialogue, and surprisingly funny moments mixed in with a very serious story. It was it was just a one-of-a-kind movie that I was very happy to see. So I know Jake hasn't seen this one. Yeah, that's right? the that's the one best picture nominee I still have yet to see. Right. Uh, I really liked Black Klansman as well. Uh, it did not make my top 10. It is in my top 20, though, for sure. And I, I completely agree. Spike's kind of like in-your-face style sometimes doesn't mix well with the more commercial aspects of like general audience movie going. But he finds a way to tell like an entertaining, easy-to-follow and digestible story but still bring the heat as far as like racial empowerment and really angry at current-day politics it's a great mixture. It's a crowd pleaser. It's close to a, a crowd pleaser as a Spike Lee movie is going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely endorse that one. And I would actually have no problem with that one winning Best Picture. Amen. If it were. It's a, probably a dark horse candidate at this point. I wanted to see it before we got to this. I just, you know. Um, but I will say this. I've always, like, Andrew's usually pretty vocal about his his favorite kind of movies. Nate is not as vocal, so I'm always really curious to see what his top are going to be. Like, I <laughs> yeah. can kind of pinpoint what Andrew's roughly are going to be. Nate, I'm pretty un- uncertain. I can guess another two, maybe, but that's about it. Yeah, I really so don't I'm know. Really, yeah, I'm really interested to see what you've got here. <laughs> well, I'll just keep you guys on your toes, then. Uh, <laughs> I know what's going to be on his 2019 list. Happy death day to you, but we'll get into that later. Oh, come <laughs> don't on, Don't trigger him. Man. We're talking about good movies. <laughs> yeah. Jake, don't what's your number five movie of the year? <laughs> so these are, for me, are very clearly my top five. Ordering them was hard. But I think I finally have it down pat. And spoiler alert, I know it's yours as well, Andrew. My number five <laughs> is Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell of a movie. I When I heard this was coming out, I was like, oh, good. The director's coming out with another one. I guess there'll be some related storylines. You know, I generally like the Mission Impossible franchise. When I saw the reviews, I was pretty taken aback. And then when I saw it, I was very taken aback. Afterward, and then on the drive home, and then when I get home, I was like, I need to, in a positive way, I need to vent about how awesome this movie was. I want to jump off buildings. I want to go skydiving. I want to save the world. I want to be Tom Cruise. And aside from that, so obviously the action was unbelievable. But the story, I just rewatched it like a few weeks ago, just in case. The story is tight. The story is 
very, very well written for a Mission Impossible action movie. For me, this is kind of setting the bar for movies to come like James Bond, even John Wick, if you want to throw that in there. This is a top-notch action movie, and I was very, very happy with it. It really moves for a two-and-a-half-hour movie, especially. Yeah, that too. Two-and-a-half hours, it mm-hmm. flies it's an by. adrenaline rush. Yeah. Right. You barely get to breathe. As Jake spoiled, Mission Impossible Fallout is also my number five favorite movie of the year. We touched on this when we first reviewed the film. If you want to hear our in-depth thoughts about that, go and listen to that review. Tom Cruise is incredible, what he's able to do here at this age. He just continues to defy the odds and find ways to entertain in different ways. And Christopher McQuarrie is like his muse at this point. They've crafted this like exhausting action opera, topping itself over and over and over again. How often do we see movie series where the sixth one is the best one? Yeah. And this is the peak of everything this franchise tries to do. Mix a really intriguing story, some fun character interactions, some really good performances, both physically and emotionally. Like Cruz is really good. Henry Cavill is really fun. Rebecca Ferguson, I really like, of course. Simon Pegg Mm -hmm. is a really good cast across the board. Yeah, they work well together. Mixing all of those great storytelling elements with just insane craftsmanship. We've already learned that Christopher McQuarrie is shooting back-to-back sequels to this film. Uh, that are coming out in 2021 and 2022. Yeah, I was going to say, can I get a hip hip? Hooray. Exactly. (laughs) Like, this is exactly what I want to see. These movies aren't exactly always known for cohesion, but at the same time, bringing him back probably is the best decision they've ever made. Absolutely. And we're actually going to fly right through the list here because this is my number four pick. <laughs> so that was actually Oh, my God. Great, awesome. Great timing. <laughs> nice. Can we get like a Rotten Tomatoes thing going? This is certified sittable for middle seeds. I love it. That's crazy. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like this is a, another great check mark in top tier action movies of the last five years. Easy. Yeah. And I love the pattern that we're following where we're doing more single take shots where we have, like, big set pieces again. This was a awesome, awesome movie with many different scenes, each one seeming to top itself yeah. over and over again. Like, it just hit all the right notes of a Mission Impossible movie while simultaneously being a breath of fresh air into the franchise and action movies as a whole. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable everything they accomplished. Yeah. I really need to see it again. I've only seen it the, for the one time. It's it's so awesome. And you know what uh, somebody said that I completely agree with? That awesome hand-to-hand, the fight scene in the bathroom, so well choreographed. It's in the first half. That would have been probably the best action scene in most action movies. Mm. But from here, Fallout just gets better. Right. It just mm-hmm. consistently gets better from there. It's like unbelievable. You still have at least two hours of fantastic content after that. Yeah. Watching it a second time, I was like, I can't believe we're only halfway through, and this is the stuff they've given us already. Right. It's remarkable. Boy. (laughs) Hell of a movie. Really love this movie. It's Jake and I's number five, and it's Nate's number four, so please check out Mission Impossible Fallout if you haven't already. All right. No more talk about that movie. Let's talk about other movies. Jake, what's your number four movie of the year? Uh, I think this is where it gets really, really, really tricky for me. My four, three, two have been pretty interchangeable, but for right now, it's If Beale Street Could Talk. I had a feeling it would be good. Same writer-director as Moonlight, so, you know, expectations were high. But what an absolutely beautifully written and directed story. On all fronts, just beautifully, beautifully well-made. Both leads were outstanding. The overarching story was was great, but then there were little scenes, like, where lead girl's father and the lead boy's father were talking in a bar. There's an exchange of dialogue that they have that I love. There's romantic scenes that I love. There's harsh and realistic scenes that I love, just... 
start to finish, very little complaints, just extremely well done. And a, what a fantastic follow-up. Very mad it was not nominated for Best Picture. Nate, have you seen this one? I did. I actually just saw it recently. And I saw it under the guise that it was one of the Best Picture nominees. And then when I went to just do some research after I saw the movie, remembering that it wasn't one of the top <sighs> eight, I was borderline devastated. Like, what? This is better than five of the movies on that list. <laughs> yeah, I was. I thought this is better than most of them. I think six mm-hmm. of them. <laughs> yeah, a majority. <laughs> My personal thoughts on uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, uh, I liked it better than Moonlight. Whoa, 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 whoa. Interesting. Interesting. Keep I going. have to see Sorry. Moonlight again. I only saw it the one time. I, I think I just like the structure of this one a little bit better. And I don't know. I just I just felt more connected to this story. That said, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite. You won't see this one in my top five, but I thoroughly enjoyed the story. I think the scene in the kitchen where Fonny's friend comes back from prison yeah. and has that heart to heart with him at the kitchen table. I have never been so mesmerized by a conversation. And when they yeah, like snap you out of that scene, I completely forgot that I was watching a movie for a second. Yeah. That was crazy good. Yeah, Brian Tyree Henry is the actor that played his friend from prison. And he was one of the MVPs of this year. Besides being on FX's Atlanta with Donald Glover, he was in Widows, he was in Hotel Artemis, he was in this, he was in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He just had like an amazing, amazing year, White Boy Rick. And that scene is probably one of the best scenes of the year. I was going to say, even the the beginning where the two families are having kind of like a chat about the, the pregnancy, the tension, oh my God, the tension between both families. I was like... I don't know. This is unsettling to listen to. Right. I, I would not want to be in this room. And I was I was really feeling all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Beale Street Could Talk is my number 10 movie of the year. So it's in my honorable mentions. I loved it as well. I would not say it was better than Moonlight for me personally. But that movie, Moonlight is as close to a masterpiece that has come out in the last five, 10 years, in my opinion. Beale Street Could Talk is still a really well executed mixture of romance and of course the horrors of the african-american experience in america it takes one of these like really important pieces of african-american literature of course by james baldwin which is what it's based off of very popular novel and it kind of weaves in a commentary on today it's this beautifully soulful sad but like lovely piece uh and jenkins again proves himself to be probably one of the best talents working today Regina King knocks it out of the park. She might win Best Supporting Actress. Mm, and should, yeah. in my opinion. I don't know if she'd be my personal pick, but she certainly deserves to be nominated and deserves to be right in the thick of it. Like, her work here is excellent. It's like life. It's a mixture of sadness and love. And it's startlingly effective, only in a way that, like, a really talented director could do. So it absolutely deserves to be on your list. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and your star of approval. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Um, We're talking about movies that gave you like visceral experiences coming out of it. My number four pick is a movie that I watched and I wanted to go home and crawl into my bed or stand in the corner with my back against the wall so nobody could sneak up on me. It was that kind of spine tingling, atmospheric, scary. I see a lot of movies as I kind of have addressed. If you're making a horror movie, you've got to do a lot to either disturb me or scare me. And that doesn't have to be just like boo. You know what I mean? It can be anything going on with trauma, something traumatizing for the characters or something supernatural that is haunting them based on their worst fears or nightmares or something like that. And all of that comes together in Ari Aster's Hereditary, which is my number four movie of the year. Jake, I got to give him a little bit of credit here. 
Jake does this thing sometimes where he sees trailers for like these indie movies and he throws them my way and I'll be like, okay, I'm excited for it. But then like these trailers will have like, it's the scariest movie I've ever seen. I literally poop my pants watching it. Quotes like that in it. <laughs> Hold your horses. The same thing happened with Hereditary. He sends me the trailer. I'm excited to see it. I'm just trying to keep my expectations low. I don't buy into like the Sundance craze as much as I can. Like this is the rare exception where I'm kind of like, maybe I should have bought in because that was just as good as everybody said it would be. I can't believe this is by a first-time director. Yeah, that's almost scary. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right. It's this amazing mixture of, like, horrific imagery and, like, terrifying performances. Tony Collette gives not only the best performance by a lead actress in this movie in 2018, but the best performance by any actor this year, period. There is no one better in a movie this year than her. She is jaw-droppingly good. And the cast around her, Millie Shapiro, very unique-looking girl, she's excellent. Alex Wolf of the Naked Brothers Band. He does a great yeah, job. what? Right? <laughs> Who knew he had this in him? But they're all guided by just such a steady, confident hand. And he takes you through some weird places, but he also takes you to places that is just downright rotten. And it just makes you feel unsettled and looking over your shoulder when you leave. And that's what a good horror movie should do. Hereditary is one of the rare movies that has ever done that to me. And therefore, it definitely deserves a spot on this list. Nate, did you get to it? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you ever gave it a shot. <laughs> hey, I think you guys have specifically told me to avoid it for right now. I might have to see it if it's this high on Drew's list. It's something else. But that is something like someone holding my hand, lights on, middle of the day, going to watch Lego movie after it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I literally slept with the lights on after I saw it. I don't ever oh. do that. I had to. Oh, man. I tried to force myself to give it a rewatch within the last two months, and I couldn't bring myself to do it. Really? I was like, there are other things that would make me feel better that I'd rather watch. You guys <laughs> are selling this so well. <laughs> but honestly, right. it's in my top ten of the year. It's an honorable mention. It's great. It's a great horror movie. It's a great movie, period, but it's a great horror movie. It Again, I really do have to see it again. Because I remember thinking it went a little off the rails in the third act, and that could change on a rewatch. I kind of love that about it, though. Yeah, p parts of the third act, I was like, brilliant. And then parts of it, I was like, <sighs> there are some absolutely shocking uh, imagery, some shocking dialogue, honestly. There are some moments where things are said that I was like, oh my god. That alone is scarring, let alone what's going on with this family. It's brutal. I mean, Nate, who's a big movie guy like, like us... Maybe you should give it a shot at some point, but if you're not and you're just looking for something scary, you actually might want to consider not turning this on. One last thing about it before we move on. Horror movies have a tendency to show you all the blood and guts and gore and stuff like that, and that's how they replace horror without actually scaring you. And it's like, oh, well, that's gross, you know what, and then you move on with your life. Hereditary shows you all that stuff, but it times it beautifully. Like, oh, it yeah. builds it, and you think you're going to get away with not seeing it, and then they show you the most gross thing possible. And so it's a mixture of all these different kinds of horrors. I can't recommend it enough. If you are a horror movie fan, if you're not, please stay away. Yeah, I really I look Nate, for stuff like this. Nate, so. I beg you, please don't watch this movie. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, what is your number three movie of the year? Oh, we're back to me now. Going back to Oscar lists, uh, I'm going to go with Star is Born. This was just like one of those complete package kind of movies that even during the review, I had a hard time finding things that I didn't like about it. Obviously, in terms of nominations, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga might feel a little snubbed here, but I really dug their performances. I thought they did a phenomenal job. It was one of those movies where I didn't expect 
to enjoy it because I usually just don't expect what this movie advertised itself as. But once I was in it, I was totally enthralled by it. It was really, really special, honestly. It made you connect to all the characters. Uh, You really felt their ups. You really felt their downs. And it tied itself together in a way that I did not see coming, um, having not seen any of the three prior iterations of this movie. It made for a really great experience. Thoroughly enjoyed it and tie it all together with awesome soundtrack to make for a great, great film. Yeah, I loved it too. Performances, the music, the story, just overall top to bottom. I was, like you, big, big fan. I thought it was really great. It seems like the movie that would get all the Oscar stuff. I'm kind of bummed that it's not. I mean, there are movies I like better, but I was like, wow, this is not getting the recognition that I thought it would. (laughs) Yeah, it's been like kind of a swing and a miss this season, which is surprising. I've made it known I'm the low man out of the three of us on this one. I still like it. It's a very good movie. Uh, it's in my top 40. <laughs> I know that sounds like... <laughs> For Andrew, that's really good. Don't take that. <laughs> right. As a, yeah. That sounds like a backhanded compliment, but out of 180, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say I watched it a second time and I liked it a lot more the second time. There are things I love about this movie. Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, chief among them, their chemistry is impeccable. Bradley Cooper, I think, is, should be the lead for best actor. He's never been better than he is here. It's not going to happen. It's so ridiculous mm. that he's not. Yeah. Cooper does a great job directing, too, as far as getting Gaga to basically play herself, which, I mean, it's not a backhanded compliment. She's really good at that, you know? Yeah. My problems come with, of course, like, I don't think Cooper's visual style is as strong as it needs to be at this point. Um, There are some things about the story that bug me. But overall, I think that I just found some things didn't click as I would have liked them. I think the second half is a lot weaker than the first, but I still really like the movie. I'm not going to object to it, even winning Best Picture. For a while, I was rooting for it. Yeah, no, I I was a big fan of A Star Is Born, and I I would like to see it again. I thought it was really, really good. Not a big enough fan to have it in your top five, though, which no, begs the bumped. question, what's your number three movie? <laughs> just got bumped. Again, my four, three, two were really, really tight-knit. Like, uh, for me and Nate, it'd be a photo finish between my four, three, two. But number three is going to be the favorite because, wow, what a story. Wow, what performances. Wow, what execution. And honestly, it's third act, how everything comes together. Just, I can't, I don't even know how he began to make that happen, but that was insane. I would say it was probably lingering around a top 10 spot for a while. And then the ending bumped it up pretty high. Olivia Coleman, Rachel Wise, and Emma Stone are just, all three of them just gave outstanding performances tied together with an awesome, awesome script. So, gotta call you out a little bit. If it's called The Favorite and it's number three, I don't understand. There it is. is. (laughs) I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. I was so, so happy with it. I've been talking about this movie for a little while now. As you should. Uh, I am right on board with that. Did not make my top five. It is number nine on my list, though. All right, hypocrite. It's called The Favorite. I Yeah, I didn't make my top five. I didn't even pretend like it was going to get close. <laughs> That's very interesting. This is another one that I saw uh, fairly recently. Oh, you did get to it. Good. And yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. The performances were great, but as a whole, I don't know. The movie felt a little flat mm. to me. Someone popped his Yorgos cherry. Yeah, because <laughs> I was not a big fan of The Lobster, and you were like, why? Yep. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he's growing on me as, as his movies come out. I liked Killing of a Sacred Deer, and I love this. Right, but you were saying falls a little flat, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely had the same experience that Jake had, where coming out of the movie, I really needed to sit with it for a while, because the ending comes out of almost nowhere, and 
as it's happening, you're like, oh no, music's swelling. This is it, isn't it? <laughs> I had a similar thought. I was like, is this it? This I is probably it? walked out of the theater with raised eyebrows and a scrunched look on my face because I just, I was still trying to get the taste, <laughs> like identified, if you will. <laughs> it's very odd. Um, I still enjoyed the movie. I'm, I'm not going to go out and say that I did not like it. I think there's just something something about it that it just didn't click with me the same way. I, I feel like I wanted either more battles between the three leading women or just something more concrete toward the third half. I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint because I'm still decompressing from the, my initial watch here. Right. I was thinking back and I've been trying to go back through at least the 21st Century Best Picture nominees recently. I don't know if there's ever been a movie as weird as this one nominated for Best Picture. I was very, very pleasantly surprised when I saw that. Right. And all the love it got. It got a lot of love. A lot of that goes to its three leading ladies who are all phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Olivia Coleman. in any other year where Tony Collette is not there, I would have probably given her Best Actress because she's just so good in this. You understand why she's both this item of attraction for both these ladies and also something that can easily be manipulated because she's stupid. Yep. She's not fit to be queen at all. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. We expect like these period pieces to be like regal and so like proper and prim. You know what I mean? And this right. movie is just so messed up and it's weird. It's so dirty. And gross. <laughs> that When I'm- it breaks from formula, it's really, really cool. Like, especially in the dialogue mm-hmm. where you're expecting – Victorian style and you come out with (laughs) curse words and some really great one-liners that I won't spoil. But they're still speaking in like prim and proper. Like it's exactly, (laughs) exactly. It's a very sharp movie and it's a really cool character study, but that was just kind of all it was for me. It was a character study and not so much a compelling film, if that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a movie that for me is going to elevate on the second time too. And that says something considering how much I really liked it the first time around. But I think it's one that like once you understand and know what's coming in that climax, it'll be easier for you to digest that and kind of see what the movie was doing because it really does prove a very important point, which I can't really spoil here. But the favorite, number three, right, you said? Yes. Cool. Like you got to see it if you get a chance because it's one of the nominees. My number three movie was not nominated for Best Picture, and I'm very disappointed about that. I don't think it got nominated for any Oscars, which is ridiculous. And that movie is Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't even get like a, here, have a screenplay nomination. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. There are two types of these kind of prestige movies. There's the ones like The Favorite and Beale Street Could Talk, which are great, but they're definitely kind of baiting Oscar voters. Eighth Grade is just kind of trying to give you this realistic, natural experience. It's almost like mockumentary-ish in the way it's just so raw. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. so specific and yet so universal at the same time for what is for a lot of people the worst points in their life. Mm -hmm. Like middle school is awful. And Bo Burnham does an amazing job at making you cringe and remember how awful that experience was. Like this is one of the worst horror movies of the year, to be completely honest. (laughs) (laughs) You feel so uncomfortable watching Elsie Fitcher, who is brilliant. So good. The find of the year, I think, as far as acting goes. I can't think of anybody else that deserves to have her career take off more than her. Gucci. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's so perfect as that middle school angsty girl who's kind of mean to her dad, who was also played by a great actor, Josh Hamilton, who does a great job here. But you just relate to her immediately. You feel bad for her. 
and you understand what she's going through because everybody's been through this so far. And that's why you're cringing through the entire thing because it's all like, oh my God, I've been in this exact situation before. And mm-hmm. that's really hard to pull off and still make a fantastic movie. And Bo Burnham's, like his comedic stylings as a comedian is rooted in a lot of that realism and he translates perfectly. So I'm really excited to see what he does next. Taking experiences that we all have had and making them into narrative films is a very niche thing that not a lot of people can pull off and he pulls it off amazingly this movie has stuck with me six months after i've seen it because it just is so honest about the life that we live you know i'm so glad that i played catch up the last few weeks because i just recently saw this one too (laughs) and Bo burnham is awesome i'm so happy that his directing career critically has started off to an amazing start can't wait to see what he does next with this because this movie is funny, cringy, and so real. And to top it all off, it's original. I don't think we've ever seen a movie like this before. And to have a beginning director make this type of film off the first try is a really great starting point for things to come. I cannot wait. It's, it's just incredibly relatable in, <laughs> in ways that hurts the soul to, to <laughs> <Yeah>. relive. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's quite a few. And I'm actually surprised neither of you said how how much he was saying about the phone and social media aspect. Absolutely. It, it's right. such a huge element in the movie, and I'm so glad he decided to put that in there and write it in. Mm-hmm. It's a different time than when we were in middle school. So it's still relatable to us because we were all there, honestly, not that long ago. But it's still so different with iPhones everywhere, social media everywhere, the constant need for approval. And it's the same, but it's still a different generation at the same time. And it's oh, yeah. very, and very well balanced. Yeah, I liked it a lot also. I saw this with a group, and we all agreed at the end of the movie that we could not make it through middle school it was with so the way worse. social media runs the world it now. It is so hard. Middle schools are brutal no matter what. They were brutal in the 50s. They were brutal in the you know 2000s when we were in middle school, and they're obviously brutal now. I mean, I can't even imagine what they're saying to each other over like Twitter nowadays and Instagram. Right. Well, think about just like uh, we're all, I want to like mid-20s which you guys know, a lot of you that's listening. But like even like 18-year-olds, it's like completely different. Yeah. It's just crazy how different the generational gaps is. And he, you're right, he does a really good job at not sounding like an old man like shaking his phone at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It oh, feels yeah. really natural the way he integrates all that stuff in. Uh, can't say enough good things about it. I think it's one of the movies that has flown so far under the radar this year, but everyone that sees it will enjoy. He just won Best First Time Director <laughs> beating Bradley Cooper, which is hilarious. Yeah, what a season for Bradley. Rip. Yeah, very <laughs> odd season for him. Oh, yeah. But eighth grade, that's my number three movie of the year. All right, we're coming down to the wire here. Our top two films of the year coming up. Nate, what is your number two? All righty, I know this is going to be a popular one for the three of us, but got to knock it out here. It's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ha. Huh. Ha. Huh. What's that movie? I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely tap into our review of this, but this is, again, another breath of fresh air into a fairly expansive superhero universe at this point. Yeah, seriously. Um, In terms of cinema, too. Like, this was such a different take on a superhero movie, especially an animated movie at that, and this knocked it out of the park. It just had so much fun. It was so original. Great, great addition to the mammoth superhero enterprise that is taking over movies. And the mammoth year in general. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Like I said, I didn't see this one, so I'm going to abstain. <laughs> I saw 180 <laughs> movies this year, somehow missed this one. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It was weird. No, yeah, you should probably hit 181 then. Yeah. <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know, we unanimously decided on a royal throne for this movie because it was great. I'm trying to read Jake's poker face right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because as great as I think it is, I'm I'm the low man of us. Like I would probably throw it in eight and a half out of ten, and it probably will grow on rewatch. And I'm still the low man of the group. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe I don't know what your final two are. What's your number two? <laughs> wow, we're just going to skip that. All right. Um, yeah. My number two f- for now is Roma. And my my little issues is that every so often it is a little too slow at times. But generally, what an absolutely... I mean, there's just a million and one beautiful things about this movie. It's a movie about... I mean, it's a lot of things. But it's a movie depicting a maid's life in Mexico during, what, the 60s? Earlier? 70s. It's 70s. 70s. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. It's beautifully shot. It's insanely well-directed. It is tense, heartbreaking, heartwarming, all within 20 minutes of each other. Like, it's just, it's amazing how he depicts this movie and everything he accomplishes with it. Alfonso Cuaron, the writer, writer, director, editor, cinematographer, producer. Just so many wonderful things about this movie. I saw it recently, finally. Yeah, it's available on Netflix right now. If you haven't seen it, please don't watch it on your laptop. Please at least project it onto your TV. Yeah, give him that. This is like his life's work, apparently. What an interesting call and decision that he, I don't know if he made it or if his distributors made it. For a man that's known for his like visual acuity, he makes movies like once every seven, eight years. Like he hasn't made a movie since Gravity. Which was 13. Which was 13. And then before that, I think it was Children of Men, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I that was know. a that was 06. What does he do? <laughs> Prepare for this movie. <laughs> right. Every time he makes a movie, it's an event. So to have like an event filmmaker stuck on a streaming service is interesting to me. Yeah. But at the same time, this movie is absolutely brilliant. As like you've heard probably over and over again in this Oscar season, if you followed even a little bit, this is probably one of the front runners for Best Picture. Uh, I hope it's it certainly going to win Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, and yeah, for me, it is my by far my favorite of the Best Picture nominees. For a guy that's known for making movies like Gravity and Children of Men and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, these big bombastic pieces. <laughs> right, This right. is such like a stripped down, beautiful, beautiful, emotional movie. And you can tell the passion in it is just remarkable. It's semi-autobiographical. You can tell that. There's no question that this movie was going to look unbelievable. It's probably the front runner for Best Cinematography. Like, which he did himself. Like, I can't think of any movie that looked as gorgeous as this this year. Apparently, he was going to get Emmanuel Lubezki for, and for those who don't know, uh, Lubezki shot Gravity, Birdman, Revenant, outstanding cinematographer. But he had something come up where he couldn't do it. And Quaron just decided, I'll just do it. Right. I'll just give it a shot. Which, I mean, <laughs> what a luxury to have that you could say no to Shivo. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, you're talented enough that you can do that. And I think he is probably, no matter what happens with the Best Picture category, I think Alfonso Cuaron is looking for his second straight Best Director. God, I hope he gets it. For just how he tells the story, for how beautiful the movie looks, and for the great performances he gets from, like, really unknown actors. Like The lead is her first thing ever. This is the first thing she's ever done. Yelitsa Aparicio is a first-time actress. She's unbelievable. Marina Def Tavira, who got nominated for Best Supporting Actress, Kind of just known for like soap operas, I think, in Mexico. It's like the equivalent of Melissa McCarthy doing something like this, I think. But basically, this movie just comes down to the fact that it's this, it's an emotional story about family. And I know we've seen this dozens and dozens of times before, 
But this is just – this is a unique family pieced together by loss, by tragedy and by class struggles. Mm-hmm. And there's just this detailed, intricate plotting with these really powerful themes mixed together with like like I said, probably the best filmmaking of the year. Right. Like you know how people say like when somebody makes you a sandwich, like, oh, I made it with love. Sure. This movie was legitimately made with love and you you actually feel it. You actually feel his own passion go into this movie. And I was I was really touched by the end. I was I was pretty blown away at how great this was. Right. Did you see it, Nate? Yeah, forgive me for being quiet on this one. This is the only Oscar nominee that I have not seen yet. And ah, I'm, so this uh, is... I'm annoyed because okay. it is the I most gotcha. accessible one. <laughs> right, you don't really have an excuse yeah, on this I only one. saw yeah, it like, know, a, like a week ago. I got you. I'm getting to it, I promise, and I am excited to see it. Yeah, it was beautiful. It's a little... Even for me, it was a little slow at times, but... It's long. Generally, it's just... It's, it's wow. Absolutely beautifully made movie. That's Jake's number two. Let's move on to my number two. Uh, like I said, this has been a weird year. One, because like I said, a lot of the movies that I loved, most of them came out in like the first half of the year, which is crazy. Uh, and two, I again have to give Jake props and I don't like doing this. But once again, <laughs> he sent me a trailer to a movie and was like, doesn't this look cool? And I was like, yeah, it looks cool. Here's my skepticisms with it. And I'm sure he rolled his eyes. And then I go to see the movie and I think I probably love it more than he does. This time around, <laughs> it's another horror movie. Though this is a very different kind of horror movie than Hereditary. Let's talk about A Quiet Place. But my skepticism was that, like, the idea of the gimmick of, you know, no sound. That requires a lot of a director. And that requires yeah. a lot of the actors. And John Krasinski, who, of course, directed this movie, I don't know if it's his first feature, but it's certainly his most high-profile one, directing his wife and two young child actors, both really great in the movie. It requires a lot of that director to expect them to make a compelling film that goes beyond the gimmick. And not only is A Quiet Place more than up to the task as far as the craft goes, where as we're talking the use of a fantastic score by Marco Beltrami, among the best scores of the year, if it's not the best, the way he cleverly does mix sound in there so that when there is sound and danger, it's really startling and jarring and it adds to the suspense. And how he uses the lack of sound for genuine scares that are just beyond jump scares, it adds to the atmosphere. But this movie's more than just thrills and scares in a horror movie he described it as he rewrote the script as like a love letter to his kids and again putting that emphasis on family in a way different way than hereditary did Mm. probably the most emotional i got at the movies this year i was really attached to the characters and i found myself like openly crying at points because of things that happened movies are at their best when they take you on emotional roller coasters And this one took me in different directions that I really was not expecting. I underestimated what it was going to be able to do emotionally and dramatically. And that's why it's so special to me. If it was just a really good horror movie, it'd probably be lower. But it actually has like a genuine heart and soul and really great performances from Krasinski and, of course, Emily Blunt, who is a master and, again, had a phenomenal year and probably top five actresses working today. I can't wait for her to get her Oscar right, recognition. Right, to get her just, her just yeah, due. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I, was, I knew this one was coming on your list, Drew, because you've been raving about it for yeah. months now. <laughs> this and Paddington are Andrew's most talked about, I think. Yeah, <laughs> probably. But, yeah, yeah I, I'm right on board with this one. It was another good original movie. Hollywood, take note. These are great, and I'm glad that these are getting not only the – critical reception that they are but the audience reception too like this did very well with audiences and i was one of them i'm not the horror buff even posters creeped me out (laughs) one of those 
Gotta see this in the afternoon so I can walk out to sunshine. Um, but that wouldn't save you. That wouldn't save you from the monsters in this movie. That's true. No, not at all. That's very true. Nate's worst nightmare. <laughs> but yeah, totally on board. Yes, you can find plot holes in it and you can poke this thing to death. But I wasn't one of those people and Drew obviously wasn't one of <laughs> Andrew those Andrew looked people. at me through the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of was. <laughs> that wasn't the point of this movie. The point of this movie was to put characters in this incredibly scary, tense situation and see what happens. Yeah. And this was a masterclass of just taking what would have been a gimmicky premise otherwise and transforming it into a very, very solid movie. Even as the scaredy cat, the horror avoider, <laughs> I love this movie too. And you gotta you gotta respect the fact that Netflix put out a quiet place for idiots later in the year with Bird Box, but that's the extent <laughs> of the Bird Box review you're gonna get on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I am probably I'm definitely the low man on a quiet place. I liked it. I I definitely liked it a lot. I just wasn't as blown away like these two were. It's definitely very well directed. It's an accomplishment to direct a movie with basically no dialogue. Even if this movie was mediocre, that's still a tough feat to do. This movie came out very well. It did very well with critics, audiences, everything. This is another movie I'm looking forward to rewatching at some point. Um, did we review this? We didn't, right? No. no. We did a summer recap on it. Right. This would have been an interesting one because even though I liked it, Andrew loved it. So that would have been an interesting discussion. Yeah. And yeah, I would have had to fight you two and I probably would have lost. <laughs> See, I think I'm looking back at my list now and it just like the perils of seeing 180 movies. I haven't had a chance to rewatch a lot of these. I can't wait to. It's exciting. I have seen my number one movie more than once, but everything else I've only seen once. So I got to go back and give them shots, I guess. Say my five and one are the ones that I've seen. My four, three and two I've only seen once. Right. So maybe we'll do a redux later once I've rewatched them and see how it reorders. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'm actually done with 2018 after this for a little while. Yeah, me too. <laughs> honorable mentions. Let's get into it. Jake, honorable mentions for you. I don't know the particular order, so in no particular order. Actually, no, I do know A Star is Born is my number six. We already talked about that. Great movie. Two superhero movies in here. I got Spider-Verse and Avengers. Both are in there somewhere. Spider-Verse we talked about. Outstanding. Avengers. I don't think I've ever been on such an emotional roller coaster from a blockbuster like I have this one. And it rivals Mission Impossible for the most watchable two and a half hour movie. It's just not as well made. It's not the same. But it's still great. Hereditary is in my honorable mention somewhere. Great horror movie. Can't. I can and can't wait to watch it again. First Man is in there. First Man, that's another movie I'm so mad. Did not get enough love from the Academy. What an accomplishment. You know what? I'm going to talk about this for a minute because it makes me mad. I'm salty about it. We know how this movie ends. We know how it goes. We generally speaking know the story. Damien Chazelle finds a way to make this movie so good and interesting and captivating the entire time. Bravo. I'm so mad this movie didn't get enough recognition. Outside of that, eighth grade, I would throw an honorable mention. I'd throw First Reformed an honorable mention. Very interesting movie. There's a few others that I could throw in there, but I've done enough talking. Nate, what are your honorable mentions? Alrighty. I got a handful of superhero movies in here. Uh, Black Panther. It, it was one of our lost reviews, but we all thoroughly <laughs> right. enjoyed it. Yeah. It went into the middle seats vault. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was, oh, that was such a great a uh, world-building movie for a whole aspect of the Marvel-verse that we hadn't seen before. And obviously, best picture contention um, and surprisingly front-running <laughs> in all this mix, which is 
definitely a big step up for superhero movies as a genre. The fact that it's getting Academy recognition is pretty huge. Yeah. The other one to toss in there is Incredibles 2. Mm. It's definitely lower tier of my honorable mentions. Like it was definitely serviceable, but just wasn't nearly as good as the original was. And we talked about that in our main review. I definitely want to throw in another bone for eighth grade. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Scroll back a couple minutes and listen to what Drew said about it to say it better <laughs> yeah, than I just did. <laughs> and then I do just want to bring attention to people that have been bugging me about it. I did finally get to see Annihilation, and it didn't live up to the hype for me. Jake did hype <laughs> it a lot. Jake was like, hyped dude, you're going to marry this movie. <laughs> it was one of those where all the cards were there. Like, this is a weird sci-fi movie that plays with time. It's so up Nate's alley. Great visual design, great sound design. Natalie Portman's in it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow that big tower of cards just wilted over for me. Um, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad that I had the experience because it definitely was, but not quite enough to get into the top 10, I don't think. That's it. Nice and succinct. I like it, Nate. I listen to directions. (laughs) (laughs) We've mostly gone over my... Honorable mentions. My number 10 is If Beale Street Could Talk. My number nine is The Favorite. Number eight, Roma. Jake's four, three, and two. Yeah. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Number seven, we haven't touched on at all because neither of you have seen it. And I'm going to continue to talk about it until at least one of you watches it. If you just need to smile, like get your life together and be a nice person, please see Paddington 2. This came out (laughs) in January. It's probably the best January movie ever made. It is such a kind-hearted, quirky, hilarious just beautiful, beautiful kids movie, family movie, I should say. Uh, and it, to just quote Paddington, if you were kind and polite, the world will be right. Don't forget that. My number six is First Man. Uh, again, I agree with Jake. It's one of the most underrated movies of the year. Unbelievably compelling work by Damien Chazelle. Claire Foy deserved Best Supporting Actress. We learned so much about Neil Armstrong in the span of two hours that I just did not know how uncharismatic he was, how dangerous the trip to the moon was how it put a wrench between him and his family. Like, that's just brilliant work. The writing's great. The score is great. The visual effects are great. Please see it. It kind of went under the radar because of some stupid flag controversy and because it got released a week after A Star is Born. Give it a chance. Uh, Really quickly, I'm just going to list movies. I'm not going to talk about it. I've did a lot of work this year. I deserve to just list some movies here. (laughs) Three Identical Strangers, Isle of Dogs, Black Panther, Leave No Trace, Minding the Gap, they Shall Not Grow Old, Avengers Infinity War, Incredibles 2, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Black Klansman, Suspiria, First Reform, The Death of Stalin, Beautiful Boy, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Widows, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Tully, Blindspotting, Outlaw King, The Hate You Give, You Were Never Really Here, Overlord, Searching, Annihilation, American Animals, Itzhak, Deadpool 2, Whitney, A Star is Born. If you have not seen any of those movies, please see them. And you might have to slow down what I just said. I'm not writing it down. Sounds like I got some homework to do. You have some work to do, gentlemen. <laughs> I, I think I saw half. Right. Maybe. Th- there was a lot Maybe. there. <laughs> Let's finish this, guys. Nathaniel Lungarini, what is your number one movie of 2018? Alrighty. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Some people might call me a fanboy. Some people say I'm blinded by the hype. Mm. But to hell with all of you. Avengers Infinity there War, baby. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't sure if he'd do it, but he did. Mm. Oh, my God. Like, it reminds me a lot of Two Towers, Lord of the Rings. Just because it's going to end up being the middle child does not take away from the fact that this was a phenomenal movie. It lived up to the hype. It balanced its incredible cast of characters in a way that made sense and didn't lose the audience. 
had some really awesome creative use of superpowers in a very saturated genre, especially with this Marvel's cinematic universe to begin with. And to tie it all off, it completely subverted audience expectations with that killer ending. Yeah. Quite literally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody had their theories and they all ended up being wrong. Like <laughs> I know. Like obviously my opinions on this franchise as a whole is going to depend on Endgame. And we are all stupidly psyched about that. But even if Endgame ends up being terrible. I'm so freaking happy with this movie, and it just is a testament to world building in film that has never been done before, and Marvel being the first to pull it off, cements it as a landmark for 2018. Well, the reason we're so excited for Endgame is because Infinity War was so good, I think. Yeah. It just added to the hype that was already there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not it's not like a Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions thing where it's like, oh, I guess I'll see Matrix Revolution. But, I mean, Matrix Reloaded was terrible. Whole separate discussion. <laughs> but Avengers Infinity War was great. So I only know one person who didn't like Infinity War. Yeah, and they're wrong. So, whatever. Everybody else <laughs> at, least, at least was like, yeah, it was good. At least. Right. Isn't that nuts? Like, you expect backlash. And this movie's been like backlash proof. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do. Like, it's not, it, it is not a perfect movie. Like, it was never going to be with as much as it had to do. But it gave us maybe one of the best villains of the 2010s. Go Josh Brolin. Yeah, great year for him. Um, and that dynamite ending, which, I mean, we've gone into in detail. Good Lord. And the midpoint <laughs> with, the, with the soul stone, that right. gets me so much. The, the intro, his intro beating the piss out of the Hulk. Spoiler alert for the first 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This movie has my favorite movie moment of the year, and it, it's a certain character's arrival to a certain battlefield. Oh, hell yeah. Which is like, I, I've mm -hmm. watched that scene on loop, and it still gives me chills every time. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I've seen Avengers three times now, and every single time that happens, put my fist in the air, and I'm like, yes. Hell yes. yes. <laughs> it's so good. My spirit animal. Hell yes. <laughs> Nate, without a doubt, a worthy choice for number one. Well done, sir. All right, Jake, what do you got? Uh, I'm pretty much going to start the same way Nate did. Uh, hype, screw the haters, yada, yada. But uh, I'm officially in a cult, guys. I'm in a cult that thinks Annihilation is almost brilliant. Huh. I've seen it three times. And it has wow. moved me, shocked me, and thought-provoked me in many ways. And I've gotten different things from it each time I've seen it. And I, I understand the criticism. It's not a perfectly made movie. First act is a little weak. Iffy character choices, the exposition to get to know the characters is not great. I know what the flaws are, but every time I see this movie, I, I sit there and I go, wow, it really does. It moves me every single time. And a lot of the things that I love about it are spoilers, so I can't quite get into it, unfortunately, because <laughs> I want to talk about it really bad. Well, you know what, Jake? Uh, this reminds me back to a class that we all took together in college with experimental film. And I think this was like the most mainstream experimental film to come out in the last couple of years because it is such a unique experience. Yeah. And I think it's such an individualized experience because everyone watching is going to get yeah. something else out of it. There is. If you uh -huh. go on like Annihilation Reddit, there's like a little cult that thinks this movie is unbelievable. I don't even know if I'm in the unbelievable category, but I love it. I've loved it three times in a row. Huh. Interesting. To each his own. I didn't see that coming, honestly. I Me mean, neither. They came out almost exactly a year ago and I... I got in my car, started driving, and was like, I almost like swerved because I was not paying attention. I was lost in thought. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big Alex Garland guy. I am. Like yeah, I love Ex Machina too. I can't wait for what he, whatever he does next. Yeah. 
I don't begrudge you for it. I like him a lot. I would buy Alex Garland a drink in a bar, but I wouldn't drive him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's cool. Well, him and I are cool. I have problems with his movies. He has very interesting questions and themes in his sci-fi movies, and he executes them really well. My last anecdote, the writing process for this movie is really cool because Annihilation is based on a book, a book mm-hmm. series. Which apparently it's nothing like, right? <laughs> well, he read the book, and then he wrote the script based on what he remembered about the book and never referred to it again for the rest of the, the filmmaking process, which it was all just about what he took away from it. So what he put on screen is his personal experience with right. the thought provoking questions that arise out of this scenario. And the fact that so many other people have come up with so many different ways of interpreting that is really, really cool. Yeah, Not so much as a movie for me, but as an experience, really, really cool stuff. I, yeah, I think I'm in agreement with Nate. I think not quite a great movie for me, but it's really interesting. And I kind of was like with you, Jake, where I was thinking about it a lot after I saw it. Yeah. Again, particularly the way it ends. Yeah. Oh, the third act in The Lighthouse is it's not a horror movie. That is one of the most unsettling scenes I have seen in years. Amen. Yeah. All three times I'm like, oh my God, this is terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not a horror movie. I want to start the campaign right here on this show for Scream Bear to host the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that scene. That was absolutely terrifying. Yeah, yeah that terrifying. Not a horror movie. Terrifying. Yeah. Good luck sleeping <laughs> tonight, guys. Jake, interesting number one choice. I'm not very good at playing my cards close to the chest. Terrible poker face. It, it's, it's bad. I mean, like, I have deadlines to meet as like a person writing now too. So you can easily access what my favorites are. But as just as a person too, I just don't shut up about certain things. No, you do not. <laughs> Ever since I saw my number one movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it's been pretty clear that this was going to be my favorite movie of the year. I've seen it twice now, so I've validated the fact that I love this movie. Getting into kind of again what Nate was saying earlier, because I didn't want to contribute too much to that because... Like, it's just one of those experiences where you leave it and you just feel, like, uplifted by how good it was. Just across the board. Groundbreaking animation. Incredibly whip-smart script with, like, excellent gags. Yeah. Really good character work across the board, especially for an animated movie. And just this unbelievable understanding of what makes superhero movies special. And we're talking about how superhero fatigue is a thing and it could possibly be a thing. So far, they've found ways to make what they're doing interesting. They're finding different ways to retell similar stories. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse isn't the most unique movie ever made, but there's no movie like it. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It was so original. Right. And I was so happy that somebody came up with a script to make this thing happen. Right. It bases the universal things about what makes Spider-Man work as a hero and what makes superheroes work in general. The idea that anybody at any point could be extraordinary. That's what makes Peter Parker so special. That's what makes Miles Morales so special. It understands all of that, but it also understands that we need to hear that in a different tone. And the way this movie mixes all the different Spider-Man elements and how much it loves this character, it's just infectious. Gets in your brain just like, wow, these people who made this really care about what they were doing. Yeah. And it really shows because they're also incredibly creative and they probably could have rested on their laurels. Effort, creativity, craft, you will always get some kind of passion from me from that. Animated movies, really good ones, often have that. That's why they're usually at the top of my list. 
Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as another animated movie, an animated classic, in my opinion. And I don't know. Like, I'm at a loss for words sometimes when I think about this movie, just how good it was to me. Spider-Verse is a is a completely wild ride. And yeah, I would say, Andrew, the, the three movies I've heard you talk about the most were Paddington, A Quiet Place, and Spider-Verse. So I'm surprised Paddington didn't make it higher, truthfully. But yeah, as far as Spider-Verse goes, it is. It's it's so original to the point where it's it's almost weirdly original. And how many things, not, I shouldn't say cram, because cram is the wrong word. It doesn't feel crammed. But how many things they get in there that work they pack is, it in nicely. is remarkable. Yeah. It's it's like, it's like a Wonder Ball. Everything in there works, and it's delicious, and you love it. Mm. I just <laughs> thought of that, and I'm pretty happy about That's it. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. <laughs> good I'm pretty happy about that. But yeah, I can't I can't wait to see it again because I've I've told people I know for a fact I did not catch everything because I don't know how you can on the first time. No. There's a million yeah. and one things in there that you know where you caught everything. I've seen it twice, and I still have not even got close. You're having fun for two hours straight, yeah. and it's just a great fun ride the entire time. Uh, if you haven't seen yeah. it, please do. Yeah, there's no need not to see Spider-Verse. Right. <laughs> it's a crime for you not to at this point. Like, I, I don't care if you're not into animated movies. Get over it. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah. no like, reason not to see This is one of the movie. best superhero films ever made, let alone animated movies, right. let yeah. alone superhero movies this year. It was just yeah. so, so good. What a year for superhero movies. Yeah. And we're going to get a bunch more coming this year. It'll be very interesting yeah, to see Jesus. if they can top that. Genre just keeps growing. Holy <laughs> ham. And if they're more like this, I can't wait. Right. So our number one films, Nate's is Avengers Infinity War, Jake's is Annihilation, and mine is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Obviously, please go see all the movies what we've talked about and make yourself a more well-rounded movie watcher in 2019. Give everything a chance. You'll more than be pleasantly surprised, even with the bad movies. That'll do it for our podcast here, our best of 2018 episode of the Middle Seats Podcast. Before we go, Nate, if they want to find some great episodes from 2018 or some future episodes for 2019, where can they find us on the internet? All righty. Here's how you can find us. You got access to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. Please like, comment, and subscribe. You can also listen to us on the go on both SoundCloud and iTunes. For any questions, comments, and updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Middle Seats. And if you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. There are plenty of big movies coming our way. I don't want to promise which ones we're going to review, but Lego Movie, How to Train Your Dragon, Captain Marvel are probably good bets of stuff we're going to be touching in the next couple of weeks. So please keep listening for that. Thank you for being loyal with us. For Jake Hensler and Nate Lungarini, I'm Andrew Oje. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.